Welcome to today's show. I want to talk to you about the universal formula to $100 million. Okay? Sounds crazy. Sounds like a crazy title. But listen and hear me out, and I'm going to give you things you haven't heard before. There's a simple formula to making over $100 million in your business. Um, this is gleaned from both my experience building business that's done over $100 million in revenue. My business partner, Alex, his business, he just sold for $300 million um, and has done, he and I have done $1 billion in revenue and profitably spent over $500 million on marketing. So this is not just from a book. This is not a textbook. This is actual experience of mine and people that I know closely. So listen closely because for all you getting a Harvard MBA, for all of you who can't afford to go to Harvard, I'm about to train you and teach you in something that you won't learn anywhere else. So what is the formula? It's simple, but it's complicated. So I only got 9% battery left. I'm here on my Central Park daily walk, getting in 15, 20,000 steps a day before I start my day. So this will be a limited talk. Number one, here's the formula, okay? BP plus 6S plus PC, or I'm sorry, FC, not PC, FC, equals whatever it is you want in life. Now, there's a fourth component, I promised you, because I just gave you three. This plus this plus this equals success financially or really otherwise, but we're talking more about financial. What's the fourth factor? A little brackets that goes around those three. Remember when you were doing multiplication or calculus or algebra, if you put a bracket around the three things, it changes it. It says all three of these have to be done first. Well, I have a special bracket. It's not a mathematical one and it's PE bracket. So let me explain. Number one, BP. What is it? First part of the formula. Beautiful products. What did I mean by that? Well, Charlie Munger said you can't polish a turd. Some people go, Ty, teach me the trick to marketing this horrible product. Now, they don't say horrible, but it is a horrible product. I say, you can't polish a turd. The idea must be beautiful. The reason Apple became the first trillion dollar company, the reason Amazon became the second trillion dollar company, is they were beautiful products. Now, how do we define beautiful? Let me break it down for you. The first part of beautiful is instant traction, IT, meaning you might not instantly become a massive company, but the first time you kind of give the product to people, they're like, well, all right, I like that. Now, there are examples of products that didn't have instant traction, but most of them did. Uber, I remember in 2012, a friend of mine, Emily, who were outside a club, I said, you need a ride home. Uh, we had both been drinking. She goes, nope. I got a car coming to pick me up. I said, what? Because there was no taxis outside. Boom, back car picked up. She drove off. I thought, well, damn, that's a beautiful product. I mean, what's more convenient than that? And it was at the cost of less than a yellow cab at that point or, or similar. But it was instant. I said, wow, that's a beautiful product. What's another? So instant traction right away. People, customers, potential customers, people you give samples to go, oh, I like this. Another component of beautiful is that um, you get rave reviews and testimonials right away. I just launched a newest product. is a healthy protein snack business, and it's called Grassland Protein Snacks. And um, we launched as a test. We, we 
for my farms, we had 6,000 beef jerky sticks. And we distributed them to people. We sold them. We gave some out. Instantly, unsolicited, we get testimonials from people going, this is the, I'm addicted to these. I'm eating like seven a day. My business partner, Alex, was on a track. I had to stop him of eating 10 a day. He goes, I can't stop eating them. Well, that, that's a rave review. When I launched my social media marketing agency program, within two weeks of launching it, I mean, rave reviews began to pour in. People were sending me checks, pictures of checks. Here's 28,000. I remember one kid who's 21 years old got a doctor to pay him $28,000 to manage his social media marketing. And he had never had a bank account before. That's a rave review. So a beautiful product instantly gets some instant traction. Obviously not at the $100 million pace, but you hand it out to your friends. They go, well, I can't live without that. I love that. You hand out samples or you sell a little bit in a beta test and you get rave reviews. Not everybody, but you get some. That's a beautiful product, okay? You gotta have these beautiful products. And then lastly, what Jeff Bezos said, things people can't live without. Ask yourself, can people live without it? I never, there's lots of businesses you could build without people living and, and I don't mean literally people can't live without it, but let's just take some companies that are more than $100 million companies. Let's take Airbnb. To the people who like Airbnb and begin to use it and travel the world for much less money than they were spending at one point in their life, they can't live without Airbnb. I know a lot of people, even myself, in New York, I don't like to drive. I, I almost can't live without Uber. I hate yellow cabs. And some things are too far to walk to and some things the subway doesn't make sense. So you jump in an Uber. Okay, these are beautiful products because people can't live without them. I mean, I could live without them, but I don't want to. Apple iPhone, two billion were sold because of course people could literally live without them, but they don't really like to live without them. Okay, so that's the first part of the $100 million formula. BP, beautiful products as defined by instant traction, rave reviews, and can't live without factor. Now, the second part I said was the number six and S. What is that? That stands for Six Sigma Operational uh, Operations. Okay, so if you don't know what Six Sigma is, Six Sigma is a way of thinking and doing business or anything in your life where you don't make a lot of mistakes. You're well organized, you're disciplined, okay? So Six Sigma is technically defined as about three mistakes per million things you do. Sounds outrageous, sounds impossible. Well, guess what? You know why there basically hasn't been one commercial airline in the United States that's crashed and killed people in the last decade? It's because the companies that build aircraft engines, GE and Rolls-Royce, they operate and say, we're not gonna make more than three mistakes per million engines we build. So they build systems of cross-checking, accountability, of, of checklists, of double-checking and looking over people's shoulder. And they build systems that are organized, well-built, and don't make a lot of mistakes. You will have to do the same in your life and in your uh, any venture, your career, or in your business you launch. You can't be sloppy. Jeff Bezos, richest person in the world, Amazon, he requires all, every Monday there's a meeting, every key executive shows up, they all have to have handwritten a six page memo about the last week, what they did. That's highly organized, it's efficient, people are double checking. You can't just expect to succeed in business just or in career by being sloppy, can you? Let me tell you something that's very unfair. 10 people in the world right now, 
own more than 3.5 billion people. The 10 wealthiest people's net worth is higher than the net worth of the next 3.5 or the 3.5 billion lowest people. To put that in perspective, population-wise, that's larger than the population of all the United States, all of the EU and Europe, all of Russia, all of China, and all of India combined. 10 people control more than that population. Why? Well, it's not fair. There's there is systematic injustice in capitalism and just in the world even before capitalism <laughs> before Adam Smith really coined capitalism there was always been these injustices even in socialism and communism humans are a little bit unjust they're called exploitative by my mentor Dr. David Buss humans by nature have an exploitative trait it's part of the evolutionary process not excusing it I'm just explaining it when it comes to this unfairness in the world let me tell you there's not one person of those 10 people who isn't a Six Sigma operator, who doesn't run a clean ship, who isn't disciplined, who doesn't wake up when they should and go to bed when they should, who can't discipline themselves to do the things they don't feel like they're doing, who doesn't have emotional intelligence, meaning I can control my own emotions. When I feel anxiety, I can subdue it. When I feel fear, I can manage it. I can organize people. I can lead people. I can build teams and systems that work. None of those people who succeed at a hundred million level plus or a billion dollar level have anything but an aspiration towards Six Sigma operations. So you're gonna have to have a beautiful product and you're gonna have to have it well run. And it can't be sloppy and it can't be lazy. And the best framework for this Six Sigma is called conscientiousness. If you look at the, what scientists consider the 25 facets of the human personality, right? They divide them up into five subcategories, each with four facets. So conscientiousness is the only part of our personalities correlated really with financial success. That's good news and bad news. Good news is you can be an extrovert or introvert. There's no correlation between financial success and being one or the other. Lots of introverts make money. Mark Zuckerberg's an introvert. Jeff Bezos an introvert. Lots of extroverts make money. Larry Ellison's an extrovert. Warren Buffett's an extrovert. Okay, it doesn't matter. Agreeableness doesn't matter. There's grumpy people who make a lot of money and kind, nice people who make a lot of money. But there's one thing that all people have. It's Six Sigma as defined by the four facets of conscientiousness, which break down like this. Organization, diligence, prudence, and perfectionism. To be a Six Sigma operator, to run a good ship, to build something to scale, we'll take all four of those, by the way, not one. Let me define them real quick. Organization means you do things in order. You start your day by a little plan. You sit in a chair and you map it out. You don't just put out, oh, this email came in. Let me read that. Oh, this text came in. Let me go, oh, this person over here has asked me to do something. No, you do things in an organized, structured fashion. Number two, prudence. Well, let me take prudence last. Number two, diligence. That means hard work. That means when the going, uh, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. That means when most people fail, you'll stick with it a little longer than average. That's diligence. Then you have uh, <clears throat> perfectionism. That means you double, triple, and quadruple check your work. I can tell you from hiring many, many people, hundreds of people, that this is missing in the modern world at an astounding rate. People are not conscientious anymore. It's insane. They don't, I'm sorry, they're not perfectionists anymore. They just go, oh, I did it for you, Ty. Well, did you double check? 
Just think about the horror stories you hear with doctors where they perform surgery on somebody and they leave a surgical instrument in the person's stomach or somebody needs an amputation on their leg and they cut off the wrong leg. This happens every single year in hospitals around the world because of lack of perfectionism. Double check your work, baby. <laughs> That's my advice to those doctors and, and to myself and to you. Double check your work. Humans make mistakes, you better double check. And then the last facet of conscientiousness is prudence. See, here's the crazy thing about trying to make a hundred million or a million or a hundred grand a year or whatever your goal is. Um, you have to be wise. What I mean by that is, let's say you're a hard worker, you're organized, you're, you, you know, you're, you're a perfectionist, but you're not prudent, you're not wise, meaning you're spending all your time on the wrong thing, you're working hard on the wrong thing. The thing that would actually be most important in your life, you're not doing, or you're bad at picking people. You know, you pick the wrong business partner, you're not wise, there's all the signs and symptoms that they're gonna rip you off, but you ignore them because you're not wise and you just jump into things without thinking it through. So that's the fourth facet. If you have all of those, you'll become a Six Sigma operator. Mark my words, you will become a Six Sigma operator if you have conscientiousness, diligence, prudence, and perfectionism, all of them simultaneously. So that's the second part of this master formula. The third part of this formula is, uh, I, I called it uh, FC. You gotta have free cash flow, okay? Now, that can only come from three sources. So you gotta have a beautiful product, you have to be well organized to build the product, to build the business, to build your career, to build your life. But the last thing is you need free cash flow. And so you could be come up with the best product, you're really good at running it, but you have no free cash flow. You have no money to invest. There's a reason they say it takes money to make money, because it's true. Now the good news is you don't have to raise billions of dollars or millions. And sometimes you don't even need investors. Maybe sometimes you can just start Kickstarter. Uh, some people who follow me build a company called Movement Watches. They raised, I think, 25 grand on Kickstarter the first time, then like 200,000 the second time, and they just sold that business. They're in their 20s for over $100 million. Why? Because they have free cash flow. You need some money to play with, to market. It doesn't have to be crazy number, and you can only generate it one of three ways. Through revenue, if you get lucky. You know, Playboy, the story of Hugh Hefner, people don't realize. Hugh Hefner got kind of lucky. His first business, the first magazine he put out, he had Marilyn Monroe in it, and it sold like 70,000 copies, and instantly he had free cash in his bank. Free cash flow is defined as excess cash that exceeds your expenses. So all of a sudden, he had cash to reinvest in the second episode, of, I mean, the second uh, edition of his magazine. And so, guess what? He was then able, takes money to make money, he got it from revenue, he didn't have any investors. So that's the best case scenario, doesn't always happen. Hi, I'm Arusha Pires, host of a new podcast called Investing with IBD. Here are a few snippets from the conversations that we're having. Facebook, you know, it's coming back. I was really treating it as a counter trend kind of stock. You have these really fast moving stocks. You want to have a little bit slower moving stocks yeah, also definitely. in your portfolio. What Bill observed after sitting through many market corrections is that the market will come down, but you need to wait a few days and see if there's going to be continued power. And that's where he came up with the follow through day concept. 
One of the most interesting things is, you know, utilities have actually been very, very strong over the last 52 weeks. The work that we've done on yield curve inversion suggests that after the yield curve inverts, over the next year, utility performance is actually not that good. Come join the conversation on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So the other two ways you can have cash flow is through raising equity. You sell stock in your idea, you sell shares. Some downside is people usually want a lot of control and a lot of shares, especially at the beginning, because it's risky. But you still must become skilled, potentially. If you can't get revenue up very quickly, you're gonna have to raise equity or debt. Debt is the last one. Sam Walton became the richest man of his time, building Walmart, primarily off borrowing money to build Walmart from banks. Okay, you can borrow money. Be very careful with this one because although it works for some people, like Sam Walton, it backfires on many people. So my general advice is don't use debt early on until it's a proven concept. Once there's been consistent cash flow for a year and you wanna leverage up, you know, raise a little bit of debt. You should have all three, by the way. In the long run, as you build toward a $100 million company, like for example, Alex, He's, he put none of his own money. He didn't have any money 10 years ago. He's launched a company called Zeusk. He then raised equity first. Then cash flow began to come in. Then he raised debt. 60 million in equity. He sold shares in his company for 60 million to investors, VCs primarily. Um, then 20 million he raised as debt from basically investment banks or similar. And then the company had free cash flow. Zeusk towards the end was netting $2 million a month. So they had free cash flow, both at the beginning in the form of debt and equity, and later on through uh, simply re, uh, revenue, you know, profitable revenue. So, okay, so that's the third thing. You gotta have some free cash flow. You're not gonna succeed. And if you can't do it through revenue, you're gonna have to do it through debt. You're gonna have to do it somewhere. Now, here's the crazy thing. Everything I've told you does not work if you don't understand the fourth and final. Somewhat complicated. Some of you are going to get this instantly. Some of you are not. Okay, there's brackets around these three. Okay? So you might say, okay, Ty, I'm going to come up with a beautiful product in January. Then about six months later, I'm going to get really good at organizing the company you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take six months to really train myself to be diligent, conscientious, prudent, all these factors of Six Sigma. I'm not going to make many mistakes. Give me six months. Then you're like, after I'm good at that, then I've got a beautiful product. I'm good at running it. Now I'm going to go to investors or now I'm going to get revenue up to give me free cash flow. Guess what? That equals failure because the final brackets are called PE, punctuated equilibrium. So if you study science, there's many... For those of you who believe in evolution, if you don't believe in evolution, still listen to what I'm saying. Because this has nothing to do with evolution, it's just a metaphor. Punctuated equilibrium means some scientists think that it wasn't like uh, things gradually evolved. It wasn't like a beetle came over a million years from, you know, a worm, okay? They think that there was these massive events that happened instantly, like a triple positive mutation, and like a bird in one or two generations turned into a woodpecker. A woodpecker did not slowly evolve. That's punctuated equilibrium means it has to happen basically simultaneously or the whole thing falls apart. I'll give you a perfect example. If you wanna build a house, okay? 
Um, I was driving, <laughs> I was back visiting the Amish and um, one of the Amish guys that I uh, lived with when I was younger, 21, his name is Sam Chupp. He's a master log cabin builder. So we went and we were driving to, I'm looking at building a log house on one of my farms. And so we were driving and on the way we passed this building. We were going to the log cabin, the place where you pick the logs. And uh, we passed the house and this house, Sam looked at it and said, you know, that guy's been trying to build that house for three years and he hasn't gotten to the roof yet. Okay, so the guy had built the foundation. That was step one. Step two, he had put up the walls, the side. Um, step three, yo, I, I, let me say, step one was clearing the building foundation, clearing the land, the spot, making it level. Step two was building like a cinder block um, or, or wood, uh, sorry, concrete or cinder block foundation. The third step was building the walls, but the guy had forgotten the fourth step. There was no roof. So Sam told me, he said, there's a problem. That house has been sitting with no roof for three winters. And what's happened is that water's hit the, the studs, hit the wall, hit the foundation. And he said, I almost guarantee you that house is rotted. It has to be thrown apart. You can't build a house, uh, all those four components over three years. You can wait on some things like installing fancy cabinets and stuff, but you have to build the core unit all at once because if you don't get to the roof part and winter comes and snow and rain comes, the whole thing falls apart. Well, that's a perfect example. So you could say there has to be, to build a house, can't be too gradual. It has to be punctuated, equilibrium, happen pretty fast. So in summary, my phone's about to die. You have these three magical components, coming up with a beautiful product, having Six Sigma operational uh, skill, and then lastly, ha uh, <clears throat> having free cash flow in the form of revenue debt or equity. But if they don't all happen, I'm gonna throw this out. Within six to 18 months, all three, I will bet against you as an investor. I would say, think about that house analogy. You have some time. You don't have to finish the roof in spring or even summer. But boy, when fall comes around and definitely when winter comes around and the storms are gonna co come, if you don't have all those three, all those four, uh, three components simultaneously done, all of them, the foundation, the walls, and the roof simultaneously done, okay, with that punctuated equilibrium factor, guess what? The whole thing rots and falls apart and you might as well burn it down and start from scratch. So make no mistake as I end this, I hope you've gotten value. This has been pretty in-depth. For some of you, it's a little too in-depth. Just understand, if you wanna play in the big leagues and have a lot of money, everybody does, seven billion people, and even before that, since the beginning of time, people have been fighting over resources. People want resources. In modern day, we call it money. In olden times, we called it land, cattle, you know, caves, access to things. We need to survive. Well, money helps you survive. Everybody wants it. You better run a clean ship. You wanna build it. Now, anybody can make $50,000 a year in the US. That's about average by definition. Most people can pull that off. Some people can't, but on average, people do 50,000. If you want excess money, okay, meaning more than 50,000, you wanna have 100,000, you wanna have 200, you wanna have a million, you have to be above average yourself. Your system has to be above average. Your product has to be above average. Your operational Six Sigma skill has to be above average. Your <clears throat> free cash flow has to be above average. And the time with which you can pull all those together in a pub, pu uh, punctuated equilibrium fashion 
must also be above average. Make no mistake, that is a powerful formula. Write it down, put it on flashcards, put a poster up, put it on your wall. When you brush your teeth, look at that. That is the master formula that they don't teach you in school, right there. Now, it's missing some minor things, but that's the core. I've been reading books, I've been interviewing, I've been building businesses myself, I've been interviewing billionaires and highly successful people, even outside the world of money, it's still the same. You, I have a friend, Jason Flom, he is one of the heads of Innocence Project, an amazing charity that I really think everyone should support, helping people who are in, falsely accused and imprisoned and on death row use DNA exon- to get them exonerated. Well, guess what? To build a nonprofit, he needs the same thing. He needs a beautiful product that people are going to believe in. He needs to run the charity well, and he needs enough cash flow to keep the charity not only giving to people, but also paying the secretary and paying for marketing and events to to thank people. And it's got to be done relatively quick because you can't do them over too long of a time or the thing rots and falls apart. So even those of you who don't care about money, listen to what I am saying. Learn this formula. I wish you the best. Do me a favor, leave me a review here on the show below in the comments or the podcast comments or whatever review. What should I talk about next? I'm building these off my life and what other people want. Um, Make sure you subscribe to my podcast or Spotify. Uh, I'm on Spotify podcasts and I'm also starting to post these on my YouTube and Instagram TV. So good luck out there. Hi, I'm Arusha Pires, host of a new podcast called Investing with IBD. Here are a few snippets from the conversations that we're having. Ah, Facebook, you know, it's coming back. I was really treating it as a counter trend kind of stock. You have these really fast moving stocks. You want to have a little bit slower moving stocks yeah, also definitely. in your portfolio. What Bill observed after sitting through many market corrections is that the market will come down, but you need to wait a few days and see if there's going to be continued power. And that's where he came up with the follow-through day concept. One of the most interesting things is, you know, utilities have actually been very, very strong over the last 52 weeks. The work that we've done on yield curve inversion suggests that after the yield curve inverts, over the next year, utility performance is actually not that good. Come join the conversation on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.